Welcome to Product by Design with Kyle and Eva, a podcast about product management and product design, where we'll talk about subjects from product strategy to inclusive design. Every episode, we just have a good conversation about all the things that you may already know or not know, and occasionally we'll have a guest from maybe engineering or other product managers and designers to talk about all these topics. Welcome back to another episode of Product by Design with Kyle and Eva. How's it going, Eva? Well, good day. It is Friday afternoon and it's a beautiful fall day. And let's see. <laughs> Every time when we record like on a Friday, sometimes we do on Sunday, depends on um, <laughs> if I get stuck in meetings and stuff. And then I feel like when we record on Friday, I'm just kind of like, where am I? <laughs> <laughs> what is life? And, um, sometimes I don't know if you feel the same way when it's like at the end of the week, you think about what you want to do for the weekend. It just, I'm drawing a blank because I have not thought through, you know, the the week. And then one, once it's Friday, it's like, wait, I haven't even thought about what to do Friday night. I don't even know what's going on right now. So don't know what's actually happening. And I, I don't know if anyone feels that way. Do, do you feel that, <laughs> that end of week, like, I don't know, coming back to earth feeling? I don't know. I usually have like a long list of things piling up for me as the weekend approaches. And so it's usually, uh, I, yeah, I just have a lot of projects that I know I have to get to what? like when the weekend comes. So that's, that's probably one of the one, one of the joys of being a homeowner and two, that's, I guess I'm probably just like a glutton for punishment where I, I just have more <laughs> things to do than I know that I can do. Um, so as the weekend approaches, I, I see all of those things coming and I'm like, I, I know that Saturday I have way more stuff to do than I could possibly ever get done. And so how I'm going to do it. Very exciting. Yeah. Like what kind of project are you talking about? Like home projects or both? Yeah. So I've, I've got home projects I've been teeing up. So I've been like prepping our yard to get some, some yard work done. Like I want to put down some, like going back to the windstorm, we had mulch Mm. in our yard and it basically just blew it all away. (laughs) So we need to, I need to put down some like decorative rock or something to make it look nice again. And then I do, I don't know if I mentioned on this podcast, but I do woodworking. And so I have like orders and stuff that we did not know that when you even brought up that giant <laughs> mill, I had no idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I do that. That's actually not just a hobby, but like actually kind of a little side business. And so I get orders for things. So what? I have to, yeah. So I have some orders that I actually need to, to get fulfilled and, and do. So that's. Kyle, what else are you hiding from us? What else are you hiding from us? Um, <laughs> What I else? Uh, do well. I, I guess if I'm just coming clean, do like some graphic design work as well. Okay. Um, and have a laser engraving machine. So, uh, have uh, some laser engraving that I need to to do as well. That that's a little bit quicker because you just kind wow. of do some design files okay. that I already have done. So anyway. Those are all on the to-do list, but the least exciting of that is just thinking about shoveling rock into like different places of the yard anyway. What is a qualification to be called like a Renaissance man? Because I feel like you're (laughs) almost there. At least almost there. Yeah. I I don't know. It's a good question. That's crazy. 
yeah, that I feel like every episode we find out a little bit more about you that I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's very exciting. Woodworking. That's my last time touching any lumber handiwork was, let's see, four or five years ago, years ago, I found like this online site that gives you like blueprints and stuff. And I was like, wait, was it? No, it was way longer ago. Seven, eight years ago. No, too long. No, about there. Anyways, let's just say six. Um, I built a daybed for myself when I was living in a studio apartment. And I was like, you know what? That's going to be cheap. That's going to be fun. It's going to be quick. <laughs> but you know what? And then at the same time, I was like, I'm going pick to a, pick a pattern that has, you know, all these different design in the back panel of the bed. And it ended up like, oh man, I don't know. It took me probably like a whole month to have an actual bed. And not only then, it took me probably, it co- definitely cost more <laughs> yep. than what I originally planned, but I, I am very, very proud of it. And it's still sitting in, I mean, it's not in like put together right now, but it's sitting in uh, uh, storage in the hallway. Yeah. Once in a while, when I grab my broom and stuff, I look at it and I think, wow, I, mean, I made this thing. It's pretty nice when you get yeah. to do, you know, put stuff together. Yeah. There's something fulfilling about that, which you just don't get from, you know, just buying it at a store. And I like that. Okay. I, I maybe we, maybe we need another podcast episode like the <laughs> building your own. I don't even think that's our, our genre of podcast, but building your say. own stuff <laughs> and the fulfillment that you get from it. But yeah, I think that's important to have hobby that are more like off the computer. <laughs> yeah. Yep. It's so, yeah, it's tiring to be on the computer. And I started like picking up different kind of tactile hobbies. I mean, painting, that's one thing I like doing. Only oil painting, no watercolor cannot undo. It's very scary. Like, I don't know how people <laughs> do watercolor. So oil painting is great. You can undo however many times you want, paint over however many times you want. Um, I, I wouldn't imagine that woodworking is also very unforgiving. You cut it, you lose it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's partly figuring out how to fix the mistakes that you make or rework the plans that you created in order to cover up the mistake that you made. So yeah, there's, it can be a little unforgiving, but you also have to be creative in how you fix the, the mistakes that you make. That's interesting. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. I, I just feel like it's very unforgiving, but I guess there are ways to fix. Oh yeah. Mistakes. Oh yeah. And, and yeah, cover them and work around them, all those types of things. That's it's the woodworkers creed or motto, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if there's a woodworkers creed or motto, but I think any woodworker would tell you that you, that's just part of the, part of what you have to do is figure out how to either work around the mistakes that you made or yeah. I can see you like speaking as like the keynote speaker at the next like <laughs> annual, I don't know, woodworking craftsman conference yeah. with, with that and everyone like clap in the audience yeah. and say, yeah. yes, that, yeah. but yeah, I did not know that about you. That's cool. I know you have made projects and stuff for your home, but are you, are you big on doing woodworking freelance? Is that, side business you said yeah more of a hobby it's a it's a decent little side thing so mostly on etsy so yeah mostly small stuff yeah etsy shop 
Are you going to put it in the show notes? This yeah, I'll, I'll throw it in the show notes. Yeah, <laughs> That's cool. Have you gotten any crazy requests or requests that you're like, that's so ugly. I don't want to make that. <laughs> Anything I, like that? I do get interesting requests. Yes. And that's where a lot of stuff comes from. The rolling pins that I make, you can check out some of them. They what? keep getting bigger and bigger by requests. So like, Wait, what do you mean? Yeah, you can go look at them in in the actual shop. So we'll put it in the show notes. Like it's Evans Woodshop Co. on Etsy, but the actual rolling pin. So I'm I'm making them like three feet long and like two and a half or three inches in diameter, which is just it doesn't sound that big, but that is a huge, huge rolling pin. Like if you hold it, it is so heavy and so big. Um, I think the largest one I made was almost like four feet and like three inches what? thick. Yeah. It's just a, for it's like, somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have, I personally don't have any use <laughs> for like a four foot rolling pin. That's, I mean, for me, it's like a battering ram. It's just huge, but people for use feet, them though. for like, yeah. For like making pasta and making like fondants and things like that. So they'll request them, but yeah, they're, they're huge. <laughs> Are you making rolling pins for like Bigfoot or what? Like that's so huge. Uh, no, it's, yeah, it, it's been mostly people who make uh, pasta that have requested them. So <laughs> I am very curious of other people that order that, that size of rolling pin. That's yeah. crazy. And you know what? You can cut out everything else that happened before this, uh, <laughs> The, 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 the last two minutes, because that's probably the most exciting part of this whole podcast yep. is discovering that people are buying large size, uh, rolling pin. That, that's crazy. I also, at first I thought you, you said bowling. Pin. Oh, bowling pin. No. And then I took, it took me a second. I was like, no, he said rolling pin. Yeah. And, and, and when you said four feet, I definitely was like, yeah, not Bowling pins. <laughs> no, no, no bowling pins, rolling pins. That's crazy yeah. though. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you have a photo of that in your shop? The four feet one? Yeah. Yeah. So great in the shop on Instagram, you can check it out as well. Evans Wood shop. I'll just throw all that in the show notes. Yes. I, I love that you have many, many skills and you continue to develop more skills <laughs> as a human. And this is um, me trying to segue into our topic today. Speaking of skills. Oh, <laughs> nailed you, the segue today. Wow. All right. You're in charge roll. of segues. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We'll roll right into it. Did, did you get that? Did you get that one? Yeah. You didn't oh, get man. that connection. You, that's two. You nailed two segues in one episode. I feel like I have failed in Thank every you. other segue and you get two in one. Different so, style. Dang. Dang. Yeah, we planned this. We're definitely like, hey, make sure you bring up the rolling pin so yeah, I can make that joke. But <laughs> and skills. Uh yes. It, oh, I just fell off there. So okay, <laughs> yes, we're gonna talk about ongoing learning slash development as product people today. And when we talk about product people, of course, Kyle's gonna talk more about product management, and I'm gonna talk about some resources and also what I think is helpful for maybe UX or product designer people. Um, so shall we get started? Let's do it. So awesome. I love this topic because I think uh, personal development as product people is just so hugely important and so underutilized or so uh, not focused on 
generally. Um, you know, when I think about professional athletes, so I love uh, watching soccer, professional soccer, for for example. And we think about professional athletes, and it could be any type of professional athlete. The amount of time that they spend practicing their profession or their sport is massive. You know, they're putting in hours and hours each day for, you know, an hour or two of actual game time. And so most of their time is actually dedicated to preparing for their, you know, their performance. And and that really goes for any type of performer. They, you know, spend massive amounts of time preparing and learning and understanding. And then when we look at ourselves as professionals, because that's what we are, uh, you know, whether we're designers or product managers or really any type of professional, the amount of time that we spend um, preparing or learning or, you know, doing, I, I don't want to say practicing because when we're actually, you know, doing our jobs, we're, we're practicing hopefully, but, you know, kind of bettering ourselves is really, really small uh, compared to, you know, like a professional athlete. And so really taking the time to put in some of that effort to just learn and develop our skills in a way that's kind of outside of our job, I think is hugely important because if we don't, you know, we kind of run the risk of not advancing just our ourselves in the way that we could. And so we've, we've kind of put together a number of different ways that as product people, we could do that. And so I, I wanted to start first with, I think, a couple uh, easier things that I found very, very useful. And then we'll kind of get into some of the more, I think, time-consuming ones. But the first one is, for me, podcasts. And if you're listening to this, you're already like ahead of the curve because I think you know podcasts is a, a great way to learn and develop skills and understanding just of product and design and hear what other people are talking about and thinking about and help to understand. This was one of the ways early on in my career too, that I just started to learn the language of product and design and help. It helped me just learn to think, you know, what other people were thinking about, whether they were product managers, designers, um, you know, leaders in the field and, just start to understand, uh, you know, how they were going about solving the problems. And there's a number of, of podcasts that I listened to, listen to currently, and uh, there's even more now than there were, you know, years ago when I think we we started kind of in our respective fields. So we definitely won't list them all out here because I think you can go and find a, a huge number of them. Uh, number one product by design obviously is, is where you should start, but there, you know, there's a number of other ones as well. And I'll, I'll just, I'll mention a couple. I think that there's a number of good ones. One that I've, uh, always, uh, enjoyed, um, it, this is product management, um, is, is a, a good one, uh, inside intercom and the product experience, which is uh, put on by Mind the Product. So those are a couple product-specific ones that I found really useful. And again, there's a whole host of other ones out there. And I'll also mention, too, that I wouldn't stick to product-specific ones either. I think that kind of getting outside of the realm of product 
and design is important just as we think about not just our careers, but also just our personal development. And so a couple other ones that I'll just put out there that I found helpful just in thinking about thinking and thinking about uh, personal development and leadership and uh, those types of topics uh, include the Knowledge Project, uh, which talks a lot about mental models and uh, thought leadership and, and thinking and how we can just think about first principles and kind of build up from there. Another great one is Econ Talk, which just does interviews with authors and, and other thought leaders in a variety of different fields. So uh, you kind of explore a whole range of topics and and I I love that one. And uh, Hidden Brain is another good one that I've enjoyed, uh, which is more kind of on the psychology side. So thinking about thinking and, and the way that we think and exploring just the psychology of human nature and different things like that. So those are a couple uh, just interesting ones. Again, I think that there are a number out there, but hopefully that helps kind of start you thinking about some ways that you can be exploring podcasts as a medium for some personal development. Those are wonderful. And I love that you're plugging our podcast and I was like, oh, that's right. We are actually in one. Um, that's interesting. And I, I, I like the list that you have given and um, jumping back to what you said at the beginning too. And I like that you pointed out also uh, not just learning the thing that you're doing, but like ab absorbing other, other skills and other areas. Um, like for me, I do think that it's important to understand how a product manager, you know, work and what, what are those skills that they have? And I think we learn those by osmosis, but then when I dive deeper and kind of learning more of the principles and process and stuff, it definitely helps me to understand how I can fit better and, and, and to, to, to make sure our process is seamless too. Um, but yeah. And can, uh, can you dive a little deeper? I do want to hear, do you have a favorite your podcast, I mean, out of the short list that you've given. Ooh, man, that's a, that's a tough one. Honestly, I probably go back the most. I go, I probably go most frequently to the knowledge project. Like that's probably my go-to. Mm -hmm. Like if I'm just picking one, I just, I really enjoy like the range of subjects that they cover in that and the variety of guests, but there's the other, I'd say all of them have just a wide variety of guests and topics that they include. So anyway, I, I would recommend any of, any of those that I listed, but that's probably, I don't know, just for me, that's the one I probably go the most frequently to personally. I see. I see. So here's my quick podcast list. And so for me, I just pick out uh, one, maybe two, if I really, you know, love certain things in each of the list, just because I, uh, like you mentioned, there could be 500 things that people can quickly Google. And I'm just going to uh, spend more time talking about these particular items that I really like. So one podcast that I really like, um, I, I was debating, do I want to bring up the Design Better podcast by Envision or another one that is also um, based in Salt Lake City, Design Much um, by Andy Page and Patrick Cox. And they are um, great, great guys. I think they work at Canopy Tech tax and, and also in Salt Lake city. I, I like their, uh, format of their podcast. It's kind of similar to what we do. It's really casual. It's very easy to listen to. And I like that they talk about real 
kind of a day-to-day what happens at work and at work and how do you solve those issues and uh so i really recommend that one if you're looking for something that is not very serious and kind of similar similar tone to to what you're getting here i do not think that like they're podcast competitors or anything. <laughs> so I recommend go, go over there and check them out too. And I think they come out uh, with new ep- episodes every Tuesday. Um, yeah, I recommend that. And so, um, but also check out the Envision one too. Envision, I mean, it's a giant company, so they have a lot more resources to do a lot more research. And I'm sure you have seen their email blast of all the different kinds of articles and everything. So um, I guess I said I wasn't going to bring up more than one item, but yeah, Envision definitely worth checking out, not just their podcast, but everything else too. So now I'm going to go through my two short lists of, uh, I don't know if you have the same list, but I have a short list with one item on it of webinar. Um, is that I, I noticed uh, usertesting.com. They host a lot of very good quality webinars. And if you are in the UX or product design field, anything related to that, go sign up for, for, for their email. And I, I think they are, I sometimes think that they're better than the ones from Envision, but <laughs> um, Envision don't hate me. Um, so I recommend, yeah, use testing.com. They sent, they, 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 focus on very specific um, topics. They're not just like broad overall, someone talking about, you know, an idea of how to execute, but they actually talk about the process on um, this is how I execute it. And this is why I do it this way when it comes to like research testing. And uh, um, I can't think of a specific topic right now at the top of my head, but I remember every time when I see their email blast, it's always like a question that I have asked myself or me and my product manager have t- discussed at one point, but written in in their email subject line so i'm like yes yes please tell me more um oh i think one time it might be recent uh my timeline is all messed up all the time but uh, about feature adoption and i'm like yes let's talk about that i want to know more about that anyways they they do a really good job with their webinars so um that would be my recommendations and another place to find uh good, good resources. Uh, I guess when it comes to articles or, um, videos is <laughs> this one, everyone's going to be like, I knew that already, but, uh, the NN group, uh, the Norman Newson group, <laughs> this one is basically the place to, to, to go. Um, we, I guess reference a lot, uh, uh to that, to that site too. And they just are, um, the industry giant. I feel like they have done anything that you can think of, like they have a research and they have an article for it. And uh, again, not only do they have one article, but they have probably one article with 10 different follow-up articles of the same topic um, to give you more than what you need. And I really love that their articles are also very uh, precise. If you don't want to spend two hours reading, you know, a whole book on one topic, I, I think that the, oh, sorry, it's Newson Norman group. I always <laughs> switch Nor- <laughs> to Norman Newson group. And every time I'm like, no, the other way around. And then I flip it again. Sometimes I flip it to the right name. Apologies. Don't hate me. And then group. Um, so Newson Norman group. And 
again, wonderful article. And they also have short videos that they put at the end of their articles that can explain to you in a human voice. I also really enjoy those videos too, because sometimes hearing it from a person talking about the same thing than reading makes a lot more sense. I like that they're all bite-sized too. So yeah. Definitely, definitely look that up. And of course they offer uh, professional training and consultation, all these things, but those are different topics for a different days and they are not free. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> um, but yeah, industry giant. So definitely read up on anything they have to offer. Yeah. What about so, you? Yeah. So I kind of grouped these. So into articles and publications and newsletters. So I'm glad you kind of put webinars in there because that's probably like a good grouping to have of like, where can you go get articles Mm -hmm. and, you know, just different like nuggets of information and things like that. Um, And you called out some really good ones. Uh, And I'm I'm glad you threw on um, Envision. Like, I feel like their, their product is, I feel like, used to be like the leader, but they're still like huge leader as far as like their articles and like thought leadership yeah. goes. So they, they may not have the best like prototyping tool out there, but dang, they still have like some oh, really good articles. Well, they're, they're <laughs> fighting to have the best, you know, they used to, and now they're in, you know, hard competition to main, to, to maintain that. But man, they have good articles and and things out that they put out. Yeah. If they ever want to sponsor us, we're going to have to cut this part out. (laughs) (laughs) We'll, we'll chop that up a little bit and make it sound a little bit better. Hey, we we said that they have like really good thought leadership and and things along that line, which they do. I I agree. Their research is great. And I think um, I am 99% sure that they have uh, a very well-established team that do a lot of the education pieces and emails, articles, all these studies and research. Um, so yes, we, we love Envision, just yeah. not the prototyping tool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Cut that part when we get sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll go back and do some editing. Yeah. As far as some other like places for articles and publications and, and things like that. Um, I, so where I go is, and where you can also go, I'll give, I'll give another plug here for product by design on medium. Um, if you haven't checked (laughs) that out, do it as well as product thinking on Substack. Those are two of ours. So those are places you can go. We've, we've plugged them before, but we will plug them here as well. And then I am a fan of like product coalition and UX collective on medium. Like those are places, those are, those are like other publications where just a lot of people write and put a, just a lot of really good information on product and design and things like that. And then also again, mind the product. Like if you're a member, you know, they have just started this year, like a membership uh, program where they do lots of kind of, like you said, like webinars and newsletters and things like that. Um, again, not it's not free anymore. It, it used to be free. It's not free now, but certainly something that could be worth it. Like if you're very serious about uh, leveling up, you know, kind of your product management skills. I don't. I don't think like just the the like the intro is is too expensive. And I think if you pay for 
like one of their conferences, you kind of get into it for less expensive or for free for a year or something like that. So definitely worth it. And then kind of like we were mentioning, like some of the vendors out there uh, that sell product products have just really good thought leadership. Like um, you, we mentioned Envision, Intercom is another one, um, and Pendo, mm-hmm. like those ones are good. They just have good teams putting together like good information uh, as far as like uh, newsletters and articles and things like that, that obviously like they will plug their products periodically, but I, it's not in a way necessarily that uh, taints some of the things that they're putting together either. Like they're doing a good job as far as uh, just their products thinking and, and things like that go. So those are some good ones that I enjoy. Sweet. That was a lot. Thank you so much. So what about books? Do you have a favorite, favorite book and a list of books? I do. So, uh, going to books there, I do have a list of books. So, um, I think books are another really great one I have. So I wrote an article a little while ago about the five books for product managers that I would recommend. Um, I will give a slightly updated list to that. So if I were getting into product management right now, there are probably, and this is, this is really tough because I think that there are a lot of really, really good product books. I'd say that for me, uh, the number one book, if I, if I was picking just one for a product manager would still be inspired by Marty Kagan. Cause I think it covers like mm. the broadest uh, number of topics as far as product management goes. So if you were to pick one for product management, I think that would cover pretty much all of the basics that you would need to know in order to get both get started and go pretty far as a product manager. I, I've also listed out design of everyday things. I just, that's one for me that is just like fundamental to thinking about design and the, like the core principles of what is good design and how should we be thinking about it in life in general. And then in, in the products that we use competing against luck is a really good one on, um, jobs to be done for me. Um, that frame, that framework and way of thinking lean startup is, um, Mm. kind of we're going back, but I feel like it's just like fundamental to like lean thinking and how just how we operate as product managers. And I've swapped one out from my article in, in that I wrote a little while ago, thinking in systems. So I think systems thinking is really important and how complexity is all interrelated and, um, thinking in systems is kind of a primer to that. So it's not like an overly complicated book on systems thinking, but it's a good intro to that. So those are the five books. If I was just starting, I think that there's a whole host of other books as well. So that's one I'll probably be writing and we may be talking about more on this podcast as far as, you know, as you kind of advance in product management, what are some other good reads, but those would be the ones that I would recommend. Um, like as like good fundamental product management books. I'll also throw in as a bonus two that I always go back to creativity Inc and range by David Epstein. Like those are just two that I find myself referencing all the time. Uh, just on creativity Inc is the story of Pixar. And that's just 
it, I, there's so many great lessons in there for product managers and how to be creative and how to create a culture of innovation. So that's, that's a little bonus for you. I actually was very curious, uh, how many books that you list would be ones that I'm like, Oh, okay. That's the one that I've heard a lot about, you know, and I think creative creativity Inc is the one that not just product managers, but I think just across the board, everyone loves. Yep. Um, I know that engineers that we have worked with, they also have read that book and they thought that it was very inspiring, not just for one particular discipline, but I, and, and the thing is, it's about Pixar. Like who doesn't want to know more about that? It's yeah. I mean, the, the stories are so great, so applicable. Um, and I think it's applicable to anybody who's doing like innovative and creative work. And that's, you know, engineers, designers. I th- And I think there's just a ton in there for product managers in thinking about how to design and create good products. Cause that's, a, that's pretty much what they were doing is they were really thinking about how do we create good products mm-hmm. as a, as a movie and as a story. And, and that's, that's what we're doing is we're creating those compelling experiences and those compelling stories. That's awesome. With books, I feel like there's one desert Island um, user experience, user experience book that I would recommend if you don't have a lot of time um, and, and, and want something that is very well, uh, section. I don't know what's the best way to describe that. Um, user experience team of one is a great book. And I think it's been really helpful in, you know, at, at the beginning of my career and also like throughout, you know, as I am working on something, I have to quickly reference back to the book. Like this book has been great because, um, like I, like I mentioned, it's, it's, very clearly sectioned out to, you know, which part of the book is about testing, which part of the book is more about like design research and all these things. And they have very quick, um, chapters on tools that you can use to, you know, accomplish different tasks. And it's just like, a I I feel like it's a book full of ideas that you can really draw from. And it points out very specific, um, they're not rules, but more like guidelines, uh, why you should pay attention to certain things. And those are things that at the beginning of my career, I was like, Oh, that's very interesting. How does that work? And, um, I really, really, really like that book. And, uh, Leah Bealey is the author. And I believe that she actually started working at Envision if I'm remember, remembering correctly. And I, yeah, I really enjoy her work. And so that is my desert Island, (laughs) uh, UX book. And let's see, and I'm going to go on maybe another list and then we'll go back to Kyle. And uh, earlier this year, I attended uh, Convey UX. It's definitely a conference that I really recommend. It's uh, hosted by Blink. Um, and this year we were in Seattle for Convey UX. And um, I want to bring up this conf- conference because I think there are a lot of different UX conference um, in the industry, but I don't want to vouch for anything that I have been personally experienced, especially conferences. And, um, this is also a weird year too. There are so many, I, I think virtual conferences that, uh, the ticket tickets are a lot cheaper than usual. So, um, I, 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 I'm curious what everyone's experience is like so far, but at the early, uh, beginning of this year, when I went to Convey UX, I thought the topics were very, 
diverse within the user experience field and also the speakers that they have um, just a wide range of from, you know, healthcare uh, service design to um, agency. I mean, Blank themselves worked on uh, projects for NASA and seeing, you know, how they put that together, just different, uh, uh, I guess, the different aspect of, 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 of user experience too. I think they did a really good job putting, putting on that event. Um, and, and also at the same time, uh, I think they, I, I can't remember exactly what the price tag would was because it was kind of half a year ago now, but I remember the, the value was definitely exceeded what I was ex- expecting to get out of it. And there was a lot of opportunity to actually, um, network and have smaller groups in, in, in one talk that you get a little bit more intimate experience. Um, like, you know, when you usually go to a conference, there are definitely sessions that are like hundreds of people in the one room. And when we had breakout sessions, it was max, maybe 20 people. So it was really nice to have, um, these smaller sessions that you get to have a real, um, Q and a with the speakers after, um, and, and they also included some machine learning topics and also uh, voice interface design. So that was very, very interesting. And I have to give a shout out to um, uh, Blank, really, for just including a diversity in design panel um, that uh, was the main event. It wasn't like, a oh, we'll think about that for whoever wants to do it, but it it's become um, a necessity in, you know, everyone's on everyone's mind, everyone who works on product, we really do have to think about that. Uh, not just as a secondary, like, Oh, need to, you know, put that on, uh, on the roadmap to show that we care about this. No, it's, I think they, they did a really good job to, to make sure this is really a focus of, of what we as product people do, um, by including that on the main stage. So, I really, really recommend Convey UX, and if you if you have the budget next next year, uh, definitely look into that. And so that's my list, and we'll come back to me and Kyle. What what's what's on your list? Talking about conferences, I think conferences are a huge, like a huge one, and obviously like a more time intensive and uh, money intensive one, but a like a really really valuable one. Um, this year has been a lot different, uh, conference wise, which has been interesting because I think it's been good and bad in that it's brought the cost down for, you know, some virtual conferences, but it's also taken away some of the, like the in-person experience. So, you know, there's been positives and negatives as far as some, some conferences go, I've, you know, I've attended a bunch of them, uh, as, as a product person. And so I, I would give a shout out to, you know, first off, our local one, uh, Front Utah is, is, a, is just a really, really good one. Not just because it's local, but it's just really, really well put on. So in a normal environment, it's twice a year where they do a kind of a main stage event. I think they call it a case study one in the spring. And that's where, you know, it's, it's kind of your typical conference talks. And, you know, that's over the course of, uh, I think two or I think two days and then a workshop one in the fall. And, you know, that's, I think three days typically. Um, so that's, that's a really great one. Um, mind the product. Um, also, you know, that's, if you're a 
a product person, you're probably familiar with Mind the Product and their conferences. Um, another really, really good one. You know, they are, you know, probably one of the leaders kind of in the product area. Uh, so definitely that one. Industry, I had the chance to do that one as well. Another really, really good one. So there's both Mind the Product and Industry went virtual this year and did a really good job at transitioning from a in-person event to a virtual one. So uh, obviously it'll be nice to go back to kind of an in-person experience at some point in the future, but for doing it virtually, like they were, I'd say extremely successful at, at doing that and leveraging some, some new technology. So I think we gave a shout out uh, to the, uh, the platform that they were using, uh, which the name is escaping me here for a second. Um, it it was called Hop In. Okay, so, I, I was like something pin something. Like yep. Yeah. So they got were, it. They the technology they used was Hop In, and it was uh, I I think a lot of uh, conferences have been using it. Really, really great, and it's exciting to see some of the technology kind of come forward for virtual conferences uh, in using kind of a main stage. The interaction that you get with both the presenters who I think have recorded some of their sessions ahead of time and are then interacting with people like real time. So they're like, they're presenting, you know, in air quotes Mm -hmm. and then like (laughs) answering questions like in the chat as, as their presentation is happening. So like, um, and even kind of like poking fun at themselves, like as the, as their presentation is going. And so it's, it's, it makes for an interesting dynamic, like as it's, as it's going on. So those conferences and then, um, a new one, a product led Alliance, they have been putting on like some uh, meetups and conferences and things like that, uh, that have been really good as well. So they've uh, been doing, I, I think this is a relatively new one. And I had the chance to attend, uh, two of their, uh, virtual conferences so far. They've been really good. And, uh, once they're back in person, I look forward to, uh, hopefully going and, uh, I'm actually slated to speak at one next year. So hopefully that will be, uh, once it, we'll see how that goes. So look for that coming up. That's amazing. Is this the announcement that you're making here on, on this podcast <laughs> of your debut? It, uh, it, yeah. So it will be. Hopefully, it will be my in-person debut. But I guess if it has to be virtual, it'll be virtual. But it was originally planned for last month, but obviously got bumped to next year because it's going to be in person. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Why was that? (laughs) Why are we still here where we are? Why? Why (laughs) That is a real question. But congratulations, that's really cool. And. Speaking of speaking, I am supposed to be going, I mean, not at a conference, but going to my college where I graduated to speak. And I was actually pretty excited to go back to um, my college and, 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 you know, kind of walk down memory lane. And of course that's not happening. Um, it's all going to be virtual. It's going to be um, <laughs> recorded. And now I'm like, oh man, I wish I could really go, go, go down there to Southern Utah Anyways, that's, that's really cool. Same question to you though. Do you have a favorite conference like that you have 
attended before? My my favorite is probably still front in Utah. Like I just, mm. I really, I just really, really enjoy it. Like the atmosphere, probably because you get a lot of local just product people. And so mm. th- there's probably that part as well. There's just so many of us locally, you know, getting a chance to kind of meet and network and, you know, see uh, kind of the commu- the local community. So probably a little bit of personal bias, just, you know, since we're in Utah and, and, and that, but again, you know, I don't think you could go wrong with any of them. And there are, so not to deter anybody from other places looking to come in to Salt Lake and attend front. There are lots of people who come <laughs> in from, uh, from other locations. So it's, it's Locals fun. Only. Yeah. It's fun to, <laughs> it's fun to meet a lot of the people who, who fly in from all sorts of different locations. Like there, I, I know we've met people from, um, pretty much every continent, uh, that have come in and participated. So definitely don't be deterred if you're not local, but that's, that's probably just my kind of personal bias that it's a, it's a really good one. Uh, a good local one. Yeah. I, I have never really thought about, cause I, I guess I've never been to a local conference where it's like down the street and then, you know, people are, you know, living 10 minutes away. Never had really had that experience. But last time when I was at Comfy UX, the crazy thing that happened was that I ran into somebody literally set two seats away from me or, <laughs> uh, can you say it two seats away when it's you and that person with one other stranger, like sandwiched between, would you say one person away or two away how do you count how, how do you count <laughs> what well, one i guess that'd be one person so like one person in between you yeah, yeah so one person, one, away, one person away i guess yeah i i love that we, sometimes i have these like existential crises of like wait a minute <laughs> have i been counting the wrong way um on the on this podcast recorded so yeah one person away at that conference that we actually work for the same company same parent company and then um, cause I was talking to the person next to me and I'm like, oh yeah, I work for this place. So then, uh, this woman next to the person I'm talking to, she's like, wait, did you say, did you say ClearLink? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and then it was just the craziest thing. Cause that session also was like hun- hundreds of seats and it just happened to be one person away from me. Um, <laughs> that was, that was a very crazy small world moment. And, but you're right. Like meeting people is really fun would have known. And also, um, now, nowadays, uh, cause I, I did industry and I remember seeing people giving shout out, uh, to people who are from the same place as them. It's also really, really fun to see that happen virtually too. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's different, but I am curious how the conference movement will change as we, I don't know, either, go back to in-person or stay more virtual. I'm sure there will still be virtual conferences happening as we continue to move to go back in person or anyways. Yeah. Yeah. I, it'll be interesting. I think that it will, it will probably have to continue just given the, the longevity of, of where we're going to be. Like I, you know, things aren't going to rapidly go back to, pre, you know, pre COVID Mm -hmm. or anything like that. Um, you know, we're, I I keep saying it, like we're in a new, a new paradigm and there's no going back to kind of the old paradigm. So how we move forward, it'll be really interesting. I imagine again, there's going to be some sort of hybrid approach to like what the future looks like. So it'll be, it'll be interesting. 
And now we just brought everyone back from product management or product <laughs> design to reality of the doomsday we're living in. <laughs> but I got one more. I've got one more list. Okay. And it's let's go. Okay. So this is the last list and it is on training. So this is like <gasps> when we get into the more expensive area. So I guess I'd caveat it with, you know, there are some more expensive like product training things that you can do. Um, and if you're, if you're familiar with product management, like you're probably familiar with some of them, like pragmatic or other like places that offer like certifications and things like that. I don't, me personally, I don't know that you necessarily need to do that sort of thing for product management. I don't think it's necessarily bad, but at the same time, I don't feel like it's necessary, but at the same time, I do think that, uh, like very specific training around specific skills is like a, a really good thing. So if there are areas mm -hmm. that you want to develop as far as uh, a, a specific skill, like speaking or writing or presenting that will be helpful for your role, like seeking out training for those things would be a really good idea. And then doing, you know, even some longer workshops around um, you know, very specific product skills. So a lot of these organizations like um, Mind the Product or Industry, a lot of the places that put on conferences um, or other schools or organizations or even, you know, consulting organizations, they'll do, you know, workshops, you know, for a couple of days around a very specific topic like user interviews or design sprints or user story mapping, those types of things. So if you want like a really in-depth experience on how to do something like that, I think that that type of thing could be really useful to kind of get a really good intro to how do we do something like this and how could we apply it to, you know, our organization and, and my team and that sort of thing, rather than, you know, like a broad kind of hmm. Uh, product management. So those obviously are not free and probably not cheap either, but potentially good things, especially if you could do them like as a team um, or even as an individual, just to kind of level up some of your skills, especially if you've been doing product management for a little while and kind of know and have a good understanding and then want to kind of take things to the next level. Like how, how can I really start to do good you know, user story mapping and hone that skill more. Um, those are some things that you, that you could look into or, you know, more generic skills as far mm -hmm. as like um, speaking or presenting that type of thing. I really like that you brought up like these paid things or, you know, versus free things. Cause nowadays there are so many free resources out there that you can, you know, um, just partake without having to invest a lot of your own money or even having to, you know, convince your boss to pay for <laughs> going to a conference and stuff like that too. Um, or sorry, official training. Cause yes, we do want to go to conference, but, um, cause I actually want to bring up this, this, uh, this talking point is that there are a lot of people that talk about their online platforms, like Udemy, is it Udemy? I always wonder how to say their name correctly or Coursera. There's a lot, all their names are very hard to pronounce <laughs> in my book. I don't know why. Um, or even bootcamp, like general assembly, you know, there's mm -hmm. like a range of paid 
training that you can get or up to kind of what I was mentioning, the News and Norman. Did I say right? News and Norman, not Norman News Group that you can pay for. But those are, again, just um, high, high, high range, higher in in, in that scale. So I, I would recommend if you're just looking for knowledge in a tool or in like, oh, I need to use Figma versus a sketch in my new job. Like I have never used this tool before. Yes. Pay for a $20 course and, and, and get that knowledge in the tool. But then when it comes to like these more process or ideas uh, or, or textbook knowledge stuff, I feel like there's definitely plenty of free knowledge before you decide you have to invest $2,000 for, you know, a specific training certificate and all these things. Not, not that I'm discouraging it, but I think there is a lot that you can do before you have to make that giant investment. That's kind of how I see it. Um, and, and to me too, for UX people, I definitely want to say that when you have time, um, I would also recommend spend time and this is going to sound, I'm going to sound like a broken record and so obvious talk to users. You're going to learn a lot more what they need than you spending 10 hours to learn about process and learning about, um, research, but without spending any time to practice and knowledge that you have. Um, I think that's also one thing that I have seen where people have the textbook knowledge, but when you don't put those in, in practice, those theories kind of are just ideas in your head instead of actual um, learning that you can get from, you know, putting those in use. And also there is one thing I also want to bring up is that there is non-traditional training that you can, you can do, which is, um, drum roll. This is <laughs> something I have brought up on this podcast before is reach out to a professional. And if you really want to understand how do I apply this theory in practice, um, or how do other people do research and, uh, whatever process that is reach out to a professional and see if you can shadow them for half a day or whatever that is. And just make that ask. Usually the professionals are, um, friendly and we we like talking about how we do things um and we also want to learn about how you do things and um so yeah i I think we need to do more of that on the ground networking outside of you know conferences and and stuff too i think that uh, especially ux people because I, i do think that ux people the way we do things sometimes can vary very 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 widely depending on the product that you work on. And so, yeah, I feel like, um, those are things that are important to keep in mind too. And last thing I, Oh, I keep adding one more thing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, product hive has a mentorship program that will help you to reach to, to, to other people in the industry. Uh, you can sign up to be either a mentor or a mentee. I actually, uh, was part of that program as a, mentee is that how you say it mentee and i i found that very helpful because even having another person in the industry because they they do a really good job pairing you up with with people and i i found a lot of value coming out of those bi-weekly check-in and just having someone to brainstorm some ideas um especially if you feel like at work you cannot find that confidant to 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 you know brainstorm with um i highly recommend that product hive mentorship program and they also have a Slack channel and yeah, go, go check them out. It's, it's free. So. 
Yeah, I, I think you bring up a really good one. I think mentoring is a huge one, like whether that's doing it through some formal channel or, you know, finding any way that you can to reach out to other people within the industry and um, just get to know other people through whatever means. The, you know, kind of the formal way of like finding a mentor is is really nice because you kind of get to establish like that mentor-mentee relationship and, and you don't have to go through kind of any trial and error because you, it, it gets kind of established. Um, but then other ways of doing it is, is just, you know, reaching out and getting to know people. You know, you probably don't, if, if there's not the formal way, you know, don't just reach out to somebody and be like, Hey, will you be my mentor? Cause that's, right. um, you're probably not going to be successful in that. And that's, I, I don't think that, um, if somebody kind of reached out to me and just said that that would be kind of awkward. And I don't, I don't know. Yes. Or do you say no? It's like, what am I actually committing to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like that's just, it would be a little bit strange because in a formal program, like there's, there's kind of like guidelines and there's like a start and end date. And so you like know what you're signing up for, but if somebody just did that out of the blue, but, but kind of like you were saying in, in just like in the real world, you know, if somebody reaches out and just wants to ask questions and, and start to kind of establish a relationship. I think all of us are very willing to do that and, you know, want to help other people and answer questions. And so if, if anybody were to reach out, I think all of us are very, very willing to, you know, to start down that path. Mm. And then as it develops, um, informally, uh, being able to just have that type of relationship where, you know, every few weeks or whatever it is to, mm -hmm. you know, answer questions and, and bounce ideas off of each other and, um, you know, have that sort of relationship yep. where it's a mentorship and, um, again, doesn't ever have to be necessarily formalized, but can just be, you know, one of those things. And I've, I've done that myself where it's, um, you know, just started conversations and then over time periodically just reached out to people and, and asked questions and, um, gotten ideas and gotten feedback and, and that sort mm -hmm. of thing. And, developed that type of thing just organically where you have people that you can reach out to for, for certain things who have been in, in certain situations and, and are good people to have as, uh, resources because they've been in, you know, in mm -hmm. your shoes or been in certain areas yep. and, and can answer those types of questions. So I think mentorship is a, a really good place for ongoing learning because, you know, other people will have been in certain situations and can answer questions. So that's another really great one. Yeah. And I just realized a second ago when I kept saying like, Oh, professionals, blah, blah, blah. When I used that term, I was thinking like people that are just out of boot camp or still in a boot camp, And I was thinking that, but I didn't say it out loud. So that, just wanted to put it out there. That's why I was labeling as it's like, Oh yeah. Talk to the professionals. I know that there are professionals in the industry also want to talk to another professional. But the way I said it, I understand why you're sitting at home thinking, why are you labeling my, yourself professional? Like I am not, Trust me, <laughs> I know you are, but I, I do want to, again, just address the, the group that are in, again, going through a boot camp or will be, uh, or, or already graduated from one. Cause I know there's definitely a lot of, um, you guys out there trying to get started or, um, wanting to elevate your, your, you know, uh, I guess, performance in your first job, whatever it is. Um, so definitely reach out and, and, and 
I, I think there are just many, many ways to learn and develop. Just find a way that work for you and make sure, again, put those things in into practice and make sure it works for what you need to for your product. So I guess that is all that I have for today. Oh, and I have that one question I want to ask if yeah. you have anything to, to add. Yeah. Um, I do feel like after work, I'm tired. There's only so much time in the world, right? And you're a parent, you understand that. So if there's only so, there's so much time that you can spend on professional development after hours, which way do you think is the most effective? Oh boy. Um, that's a, <laughs> let's see. That is a really, really good question. Most effective for you or your favorite way to learn? You know, I'd say that the, you know, I'd say that they all lend themselves to, uh, to me in different ways. And obviously like the, um, you know, I'm kind of looking at, you know, some of the the first things that we talked about, you know, so early on the list are, you know, some of the things I feel like you can do more often, like podcasts and articles and books, like those are things, at least for me, I can do mm-hmm. a lot more frequently, like they're a lower lift and I, frankly, I do like a lot more, um, just because they don't require probably as much, um, they do require time and investment, but it's, it's something that I can do. Like I have the ability to do. And then when you get into, um, more of like the mentoring and especially like conferences and training, like those are a bit more, um, more of an investment and they're just the, they either take a little bit more time or money or, or whatever in order to, to be able to do. So, you know, I think that they lend themselves well, but are something that you just don't have either the ability to do as frequently. So, I mean, if I'm, if I'm doing something the most, it's probably, uh, for me reading and listening to podcasts, like that's just Mm. what I do. Cause I, I tend to get a lot out of that and that I like to, to read a lot and then digest it and then either talk about it or, or write about it, which is kind of one of my mm-hmm. things and then put it in, into practice, like take those different things and, and then apply them to what I'm doing. So I feel like that's the fastest turnaround for me. Like what I can do is mm. learn something, um, think about it, you know, apply it in some way and then learn from it. So I like the loops for me are, are the fastest there again, not to say that those other things don't have a lot of merit, like conferences and, mm-hmm. and training and things. But as far as like the learning loop, I think the fastest for me are, are some of those first things. Like that. And if I have to pick something off, you know, all these mediums and areas that you can grab resources from, I would say, start with reading and then mentorship. Those two are probably where I, I think you get the most out of your time. Um, Cause I mean, first start with reading and you get some ideas or, you know, just yourself processing it. And then when you go into uh, the process of, you know, getting a mentor and having those questions to ask uh, after you have generated your own thoughts on those, uh, those knowledge. Like, I think that's probably the most effective process of just digesting 
something. And, and, and I think that process to me is the most effective and, but yeah, I, I think everything else that we have talked about here, those are all helpful things, but I was just thinking like a lot of people nowadays, we are all doing 500 things during the week and after hours, not going to lie. Sometimes it's hard to (laughs) put time, put time into, you know, doing more serious stuff. And sometimes I just want to play some video games. Right. Yeah. And, but yeah, thank you so much for sharing your, your list. And, and I guess we will put everything in their show notes. Yeah. And do you have anything to add before we go into our ride zone or (laughs) no shout out? That's a good one. Yeah. It's good. Sweet. Do you have any product shout out or product ride this this week? Um, I will I will let you go first. While what? I, yeah. Why? Do you uh, have a gripe or is that why? I need to I need a second to think. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I was so like looking forward to you dropping a bomb of like I have some very hateful thing to, <laughs> to say about a product. That's what I thought you were gonna drop. That's why you wanted me to go first, but no. <laughs> <laughs> But that's not the reason. No, not yet. Anyway, not yet. I I really do look forward to the day where you just come and blazing with, with the gripe. <laughs> I I but of, of course, per usual, I have a gripe. This one is more lighthearted. <laughs> this one is not as personal to me. Uh, I <laughs> you're gonna yeah. laugh. And so, just putting a disclaimer out uh, out there. I have a Pixel phone, and so do you. Um, the world. <laughs> Pixel is better. Okay. Um, I, I don't, but I, my wife does. So wait, I thought you have a Pixel one. I have a Galaxy Note 10 Plus. How how come when I text you, there's like the blue bubble? Is it just Android? Yeah, it must be, yeah it's probably that? Android. Yeah. Why did I think that it's only Pixel phone? I was so excited when I saw that bubble on your head <laughs> when it first. <laughs> um, but I also only have, I think you are the only one other Android person that I interact with. Probably. Maybe that's why, because yeah. my husband, everyone else uses iPhone. Yep. Okay, so here's my my gripe that is very lighthearted and also do not, <laughs> has no bearing in my life is I heard that the new iPhone <laughs> does not come with anything in the box. I, I'm just curious how 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 you feel about that and, and just overall Apple, because we have never really talked about that on this podcast, I don't think. Um, but yeah, I kind of have a slight level of like, oof, your, you know, money grabby strategy is showing through the product towards Apple. Yeah. Um, that's, you know, I haven't read the, the latest, so that was, they made their announcement this week and I haven't had time to go through, I normally go through like all of their announcement stuff Mm. and I haven't had a chance yet. So that was probably with like their latest phone announcement, right? Yeah, I uh, I am 99% sure they said that there will be no charger, no right. cords, no yep. nothing but the phone in the box. I'm just curious. I mean, yeah. What are um, your immediate thoughts on that? Oh boy. So so I guess a couple of thoughts. First, how are you going to charge your phone? Especially if you get a new one. Two. 50 bucks. Yeah. It's a a little frustrating because as goes Apple, most other major phones usually go as well. So you, I don't know. I feel like we can probably expect other 
flagship phones to stop having char like accessories come with them as well because most other play uh, i feel like most others kind of follow suit and mm. so it probably won't be as big of a deal for some just because we have i don't know as long as they're still like USB-C, like we have a lot of USB-C um, charging cables around, but still like it's, I feel like it's always nice just to have one when you travel and stuff and you lose things and whatever. But anyway, I don't like it because then I have to buy one on Amazon and, and you know, it's just an yeah. extra thing you have to buy. So um, yeah. I don't know. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give a thumbs down. Don't like it. <laughs> I, I like that system. Thumbs down for this. I also is a thumbs down for, for me. And, um, this is the, the reason why I also bring this one up this week is I really didn't have experience any specific love or hate towards any particular product. And when this news came out, I definitely was like, mm, this will be an interesting one to bring up at the end of recording this week. Um, because, uh, I think it's interesting product decision that they're like, yeah, no, nothing. And I don't know if this is an official statement, but some people are saying that because everyone already have 20 chargers and 20 cords sitting around. So that's why they're not doing it. I don't know if that's official, but even then I do think that you're giving someone something. It, what if it's my first iPhone, you know, and it does feel like a poor choice uh on their part or yeah. someone's well, gonna about, have yeah what what about like a way to opt out like what if i have what if i yeah. have enough chargers and cords and stuff like if it's if it's to save if we're talking about just like pure waste like if yes to to let's you know let's start to limit the amount of waste that we have which i can get behind that like if if i have enough and i'm not going to yeah. use it because i've got too many like i'm all for like let's let's limit that i don't know if that right. starts to make you know the supply chain difficult or whatever but taking all that um, out for for a minute they can do the yeah objection yeah who, who let, do you think let, they are <laughs> yeah let, let, we'll set all that yeah. aside but if i can just opt out and say hey i don't need it let's you know don't send me that, that that's awesome uh but yep. somebody who does need it then it's like okay just make it part of the the package and you get your, yeah. your charging stuff because it's your first or your second iPhone or whatever, or, you know, you, yes. if you don't get it in the package that you're going to have to go on Amazon and, you know, buy one and it's, yep. it ends up being a pain or you're going to have to add one to your cart with Apple and, you know, buy yeah. their, their $50 charging, which is that don't, if you're going to do that. Don't do it. Go, you know, go somewhere else and buy it. Cause you'll probably yep. get it for cheaper. Now I feel like this might be the most, um, just what is that word? Controversial topic that we have brought up <laughs> on this podcast. We're going to start getting tweets about this. Good. Cause Good. I mean, anytime Apple is brought up, it's like immediately someone's on their phone typing. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Tweet at us. Yeah. Let's, let's they, hear what they you preempt, think. They but, preemptively. Yeah. yeah. Somebody's sensing it right now and they're... <laughs> I do, I do, I do like your perspective, but I also feel like this is that are they trying to be environmentally friendly? Don't feel like it. It feels more like a, a kind of a making you buy more dongos, more whatever accessory type <laughs> of a scheme. Yeah. Um, but I, I just really was curious about your reaction, but yeah, I like your thumbs down. 
Yeah. Going back to the whole dongle fiasco of like, you have to buy the dongle to plug in your headphones and yep. that was, yeah. As product, as a product person, I'm like, this doesn't feel good. Why would you ship this without the other half of it? <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. So yeah. Any, any, any gripes or any shout out from you this week? Uh, no, that, that, that actually feels pretty good for this one. Yeah, we both thumbs down on on that one. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah. So definitely, can I say that that was a grab from both of us? Yeah. To to Apple. Yeah, that works. <laughs> Sweet. Tweet at us, and that is the episode. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. See ya. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app. You can find out more about us and our podcast on our website at productbydesign.co. You can also follow us on Twitter at prodbydesign. That's at prod underscore by underscore design. You can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Larry Evans. And you can also find Eva on Twitter at Yan Chow Chow. See you next time.